When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. I, I, I can have it. You, you, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, it's Charles from the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. And Austin. We are proud to announce our first title sponsor, Williams Archery Pro Shop and Indoor Range. Our podcast, as you all may know, is focused on local hunting and heritage right here in Western PA. And where better to start for a sponsorship than your local bow shop? They've been in business for 29 years and they strung the first bow I ever shot. It's a family-owned bow dealership who offers Hoyt, PSE, Bear, Parker, and more. They also have all accessories and arrows you may need. They specialize in bow tuning and hands-on shooting lessons, and it's truly a family environment. Head down to Edinburgh, PA to see Ron and Linda Williams, where practice makes perfect. Give them a call at 724-667-9660 and make sure you tell them that you heard about Williams on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast and they will take care of you. Welcome to the third episode of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin and in the studio today with me as always, Charles Hedlund. And we have a very special guest today, Big Booty Bobby, Rob Davis. How you doing today, guys? Uh, We're good. What's going on, Bobby? Same old same. Same old same. Trying to get out there and get some scouting done. That's right. I think we all are at this point. Uh, we finally got out and got some cameras put up. We're going to get some stands put up tomorrow, and I think it's going to be a good little scouting session. I actually went out this morning. I forgot about that. That's decent. Yeah, I went out this morning. We saw some deer. We saw some potential buck beds on some river, but, man, it is just so thick. It's insane out there. The mosquitoes just attack you the whole time. I had to wear a raincoat my hood up the whole time, sweating. It was terrible. I'm super jealous. I was stuck at work all day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes the perks are not working. I know. The perks are not working. I so. thought about it all day, though. <laughs> I was super distracted. Oh, man. Well, let's get to Rob here. Rob, tell us who uh, who you are, where you're from, what you do. 
Uh, my name's Rob Davis. I am Austin's brother-in-law. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I work at uh, a steel mill. I'm an electric furnace operator. I'm actually on night turn right now, so I get the days to scout around, hang out, do what I want. And, uh, yeah, I love yeah. killing deer. We had to call him off work tonight so he could do the podcast. He did call off work tonight. Thank you, We're much appreciative of that. (laughs) Bob, I've never called you Bob. Thanks, Roboito. That's an old person name. Roboito. Roboito. (laughs) I can dig it. All right, Rob, so why don't you tell us about how you got started hunting? Uh, For as long as I remember, I always wanted to go. I remember my dad would go up to Maine, grew up in Boston. Yep. My dad would go up to Maine with his buddies. They'd do big deer drives. He'd usually shoot a doe every year or small buck or something. Um, and I remember I always wanted to go, but I had to wait till I was 12. I think it's the same way around here, isn't it? Yeah, 12. Yeah. And uh, got a little bow, uh, had a 20-gauge shotgun. And I remember the first day I went out, we were sitting by a little creek bed. And I was actually nervous because I was like, well, what if I don't like it? You know, <laughs> I had all this anticipation. <laughs> Not possible. Yeah, seriously. Not possible. And first thing, like first half hour, a little six point came in, walked up maybe five yards away from me and drank from the stream. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to shoot it. And then I realized like I'm sitting down, the bow's in my lap. Like oh, I can't move, you know? <laughs> so that was my first learning experience being out in the woods. Yeah, but experience like that, your first time ever out, I think that would get you hooked. Oh, I would already right off the bat. Hooked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, well, one of my questions was going to be, because I, I don't know you as well personally as Austin does, obviously, but I was going to ask where you started hunting, which you said uh, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So how do you think hunting in Massachusetts has affected uh, kind of the way you learn how to hunt there and how you hunt in Pennsylvania? Yeah, well, there's a lot less deer up there for sure. Lower deer density? Yeah, much yeah. lower. Um, the buck to doe ratio is actually better, though. Hmm. So rattling's more effective. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, but I know I moved here when I was 15, so I only had a few years up there. Um, I do go back every once in a while and help my friends up there, which is nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, but you don't see near the number, but you, there are some quality bucks. What's an out-of-state tag for up there cost? Um, it's around 100 bucks. Oh, that's yeah. not bad yeah, at all. Yeah, that's not bad at it's all. That's bad. one of the cheaper states, then. Yeah. 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 And you actually shoot, you get two buck tags. Okay. Yeah. Even as an out-of-state resident, mm-hmm. yep. non-resident tags and no, uh, no limit or right. antler restriction, rather. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can shoot whatever you want. That's I don't awesome. Hold out, but hmm. we talked about our antler restrictions here last episode. Okay. Yeah, they're a little different here. Uh, we, like my brother mentioned last episode, that we're kind of in a trophy part of the state, as they call it. So, yeah. which I think has helped us a lot. Oh, big time. Like you mentioned, you first started hunting and you saw a six-point. I was thinking, man, if I had seen a six-point when I first started hunting, I don't know what I would have done. I would have lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it probably took me three or four years to even see a buck, and it was a little tiny four-corn, and this thing ran across from me, and I had already spent all my bullets shooting at a doe running across the field, and this <laughs> this buck comes and runs, and it stops just on the other side of this hill at like 60 yards. And I pull my gun up and I go, click. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my brother was chasing after it. But he had his gun went into the side of a creek when he went to jump over this. It's like a little ditch. <laughs> he went to jump over the ditch and his gun barrel went right into the side oh, of it and no. filled up with dirt. So it was complete catastrophe. This oh, yeah. little buck, the first buck we ever saw, ran right in between the two of us and then just kind of trotted away. Yeah. Well, so. Rob, I don't know if many people know you, but... You are 
a rather large guy. <laughs> you are very, very fit. You're you're in the gym all the time. I mean, you've been in bodybuilding competitions. You're uh, pretty much a monster. Most people are scared of you. Yeah, you're your big forearm, teddy bear. Your forearm is about the size of my leg. Yeah, you're a big teddy bear, though. Everybody loves you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, some of the questions I actually had, because in today's society with hunting and fitness going together, it's kind of taking over in a way. Uh, and it's it's one of those hot topics where people either hate it or they love it. So, I mean, how do you feel that your workouts help contribute to your hunting success? I think it helps a lot. Um, I think probably my, my weakest point would be my cardio, like climbing mountains and stuff. Right. But, I mean, that's easy to work on. Uh, I shoot an 80 pound bow we were talking about earlier. Right. That I think helps a lot with breaking the shoulder bone. Yeah. You know, you don't need near that much poundage. Like we were saying, I might actually bring it down a little bit, but it's easy to draw. Um, I do do some workouts like single arm rows Mm -hmm. to work on my drawback. Okay. I'll hold, uh, like a five pound dumbbell straight out in front of me just to work on my stability for my bow hand. That's rough. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Yeah. It is tough. Yeah. But I think it helps me a lot, you know, just climbing around, dragging deer out. Yeah. Well, I think what's nice about that is you said you're going to drop down. So you're at 80 pounds. You're already above and beyond most hunters in this area. Mm-hmm. I, think, I shoot 70 pounds. I, think I shoot, shoot 65. About 65. Yeah. So what's nice about that is you can drop down to 75 pounds. You're still shooting above and beyond everyone else, but it's easier for you to draw, so you're going to improve your accuracy. Oh, ten to tenfold, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, so you already answered. I was going to ask if you incorporated any special workouts uh, that you would say help you succeed in the fall. So I'll ask you this instead: Have you ever flexed on a deer and it died all just the, from you flexing all the time. on it? <laughs> all the time, yeah. <laughs> Only for the trophies, though. No, I don't. You know, yeah. yeah, you gotta let the does grow. I get it. <laughs> That'd be cool. Oh man, that's I wish awesome. It that way. Well, how do you how do you feel about hunting and fitness? I don't know if you're you have Instagram, so shout out at the big booty Bobby, <laughs> big booty Bobby on Instagram. But I don't know if you see it where a lot of these hunters now are always posting videos of them running around or in the gym constantly. You see girls taking pictures and hardly anything and they're super fit yeah but i think it's kind of taken over but how do you feel about hunting and fitness as a part of the industry together do you think it should be a part of the industry do you think it's important i think it's really important i think they definitely go hand in hand yeah i mean people who work out always think you know diet they want to eat organic they want to eat healthy i mean what's more organic than a free-range deer oh absolutely i agree with that so not only does it cut down on your grocery bill, filling up the freezer, but you're getting the highest quality meat out there. Speaking of high quality meat like that, Rob, what would be like, uh, what would be your favorite venison recipe? What's your favorite thing to eat? Mm -hmm. Good question. I like, uh, oh man, there's so many. I'd actually say definitely back straps, but I like leaving the rib bones on. You like doing the tomahawk chops? Yeah, the tomahawk chops. Those are awesome. I've never tried that. Oh, you have to do it. Yeah. Seriously. Hmm. Super presentation, too. Looks really nice. I just heard the ribs were real good, too, and I, I may keep the next set of ribs on a deer. two sets in the freezer right now. I'm getting ready to make them. I'm so excited. Oh, we got to get that fired up oh, right yeah, away. Dude. Absolutely, right before deer season. <clears throat> we need to become one with the deer by <laughs> eating the deer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else we got here? Yeah, that was... That was that was a good one. Like it's that. more of an intro into who you are, yeah. what you do. Yeah. Um, now, 
kind of getting in more in depth, what kind of hunter are you? Are you bow hunter? Are you rifle hunter? I know PA has a lot of rifle hunters. First and foremost, archery, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I always, when I hunt archery, I, I don't want to say trophy hunt, but I hold out for a buck usually mm-hmm. during archery season. I try to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, the great thing about it is you see so many deer. You know, you yeah. can shoot a doe almost every time you go out. Right. Um, Maybe I should hunt with you more often. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not there's only half the amount of people in the woods. Yeah. You see more deer. The weather's nice. You get to see a lot of things you don't get to see during rifle season. You know, you see the fawns milking off the mothers sometimes mm-hmm. or playing in the field. They get the yeah. hot sun. Yeah, definitely archery. That's cool. They're in their natural habitat. Yeah. They're yeah. doing what deer do. Mm-hmm. They're not running through the woods at 100 miles an hour from bullets winging past their head. Right. They're yeah. calm. Plus the ruts during archery season. That's true. That is true. Right tail end of it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of deer kind of like fits your fancy? Are you a big rack guy? Are you a big body guy? An age class guy? Well, growing up in Massachusetts, I kind of have a, a liking to the northern deer. So bigger bodies, heavy mass. You're a 200-pounder guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the, like it. The wide, heavy racks is what really gets me. I know they don't score as well as a tall rack. Yeah. But there's just something about that super wide rack. That's yeah. Just so awesome. You a typical guy or non-typical? Uh, I would definitely have to say typical with character. Typical. Okay. Like, that's a yeah. good answer. I like, I like that. character. So maybe a drop tie and a couple split brow tie or something. Maybe some big maybe dark garlic. chocolate yeah, antlers. Tickers. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. That's tasty. Yeah. Old gray face swamp buck. Yep. Know all about it. I'm getting chills, man. Yeah. I love it. That's Looking forward to for that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll let me ask this next one. What kind of bow do you shoot? Uh, the Cadillac of bows, Matthews. That's right. We do a Hoyt. So we are now two Matthews, one Hoyt. Yeah. You yeah. notice our title sponsor, which is the best bow shop in Pennsylvania. That it is. Does not carry Matthews. They carry Hoyt, number However, one, because they're awesome. They did. They used to carry Matthews. He told me about that today. I spent like four hours in the shop today talking with Ron and Linda. Great people, by the way. So a shout-out to Williams Archery. Hoyt's a great bow. I mean, all of them are are great bows. No, they are great bows. Everybody has a great bow now, to be honest with you. It just depends on what fits you. You know, you got to shoot them and see what you like, see what you don't like. Oh, I agree. We were in there today, and um, our buddy McCoy was shooting. He has a 32-inch draw. He's an ogre, dude. He's got the longest draw length of anybody I know. Well, most bows don't really offer a 32-inch draw. So he had a PSE in there. And what's funny about that is as soon as we came in – Mike told him, hey, I have a 31-inch draw. And Ron immediately said, no, you don't. He said, I'll set this up for 31 inches, see how it fits you. He set it up to 31 inches. He had a PSE in there, the Phenom. He pulled it back, and he wasn't even close. And he went, I know you're a 32. Set it to 32, pulled it back, kisser went right in the lip. Wow. And I was like, a 32-inch. But that's what's nice (laughs) about having these different bow brands now. The PSE offers a 32-inch bow that he can actually shoot and actually goes up to 33 inches, yeah. which is insane. Which he's been shooting his bow for God knows how long, and it doesn't necessarily fit him. Mm-hmm. He kills deer with it, but, I mean, you're always going to shoot better with a bow that's fit to you. I mean, his draw length right now, like you said, he pulled it back, and he's going right. to anchor properly now. He's not going to have that kind of goofy anchor different every yeah. time. Shorten yeah. your elbow up a little bit. Yeah. Fit. Right, yeah. leaning your head forward, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I like it. So let's get into some of your hunting tactics. I know that you hunt a lot of archery. 
And I know that you hunt out of a climber a lot. Mm-hmm. Are you more of like a run and gun guy, or do you like setup stands? Like? Yeah, I mean, setup stands are nice. I have a couple of them. Um, the only problem with those is I think you just get too stuck in your ways. Yep. You, know, you set up a tree stand, and you go out, and you see, okay, there's a buck just cross on the next ridge over. Well, maybe next time we'll come on this ridge, and then you see, oh, there's a doe on the next ridge over, and you just kind of get, it's already there. You don't want to move it. Yep. You know, when you're with a climber, you, you don't think twice about going to that tree the next right. time. Right. Yep. It's great to be portable and get aggressive. I mean. Well, not only that, like you're saying, when you have just a stand that you set up, whether it be a, a ladder or hang on, and you're in a certain area, and you see a deer or a buck and you want to move on it, mm-hmm. you have to spend all that time, put all your scent in the woods yeah. to take that down, make all the noise of taking your stand down, move it over, mm-hmm. and set it back up and hope that every deer within the mile didn't run out of there because you just made all kinds of noise clanking it up oh, and yeah. down. Yeah. Now you got ground scent everywhere because you went up and down the tree 15 times. You're sweating. You got sweating, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I agree 100%. Um, and I think they pattern you too. You know, I mean, Absolutely. Your first sit is your best sit. Yeah, you get comfortable going to that stand. Oh, I got an hour after work. I'm just going to try and sneak in there. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do that two or three times a week, you're just going to consistently see less deer. I mean, that's. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you give us? A, do you have a story offhand that you can give us of when your running gun set worked for you? Maybe made an adjustment on a deer or something where you had success. Um. Hmm. Good successful story. Yeah, I guess there's a couple different times that that's happened. I know... Um, Maybe you didn't even kill the deer, yeah. but you moved in on it, and you got close to it, and you almost had an you encounter. You got close enough to taste it. Yeah, right. I can give you a couple. I know uh, Mooney's farm. I miss that farm. Oh, it's been, since been sold, we can't hunt there. Oh, no. One yeah. of our favorite properties, but... That'll happen. Exactly. Yeah. I know there's a trail that comes off of... There's a hillside with a thicket. They come off that hillside into the beans or corn or whatever it happens to be that year. And like I was saying there, I always saw deer on the next ridge over. Right. And a lot of times they'd walk that ridge and skirt me and come out like 80 yards up. Mm-hmm. So my dad came out with me one night and I said, I'm going to go over that next ridge. And uh, he, he climbed up in the hang on. I went to the next ridge with a climber. And uh, sure enough, a buck came out, not from the thicket below me, but from up top, which is a little corner, a thick little corner. Which is really nice. I'm a big believer in hunting corners and small yeah. spots. I agree. Deer edge, edge yeah, creatures. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they love that. But a doe came out of there, came right underneath me, and a huge, heavy eight point came out following her. And uh, I stood up. I think he saw me stand up or something because he stopped and he turned around and he went into the cornfield. Um, he might have just caught a glimpse of you, just that little bit of movement. Yeah, but if, I mean, if he'd have came. Can't kept coming through, he'd have been right underneath me, and I never would have had a shot from him from the from the hang on. Right, exactly. So yeah. you put yourself in the right position. Mm-hmm. You may have screwed up, or maybe not. Maybe you didn't do anything wrong at all. That deer just something happened. Yeah, you know? he might have caught some ground scent or something too. I don't know it's if he possible. came in that way. What was your access like? Um, I came up the field edge. It was you know midday when we got in there, yeah. so it's kind of the easiest way to get in. Right. right? Uh, another one would be. What was it? Two, three years ago now, when Dave and Jason were here. Oh, yeah. Um, Shout out to Jason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're He's generous. awesome. Dave's <laughs> awesome, too. <laughs> I was going to say, you shout out one, but not the other? Uh, no, yeah. no. What was that all about? We're going to get Jason on here eventually. Yeah, we were hunting um, one spot we call it the cemetery. Obviously, it's by a cemetery. Makes sense. And uh, 
you know, Jason got a shot at what he said was the biggest buck he's ever seen in his life. Huge 12 point, you know, he said it was, he was in disbelief when he saw it. Um, took a shot at it, crossed the street into another patch of woods, and it was in the evening, so the next morning we said, you know what, let's sleep in, we'll go hunt the other side, you know, I had never even been in that piece, and uh, I dropped them off where that buck crossed, I drove around to the other side of the woods, and we were just kind of working, you know, and um, we slept in a little bit till the sun was coming up, because we didn't know where we were going. And within 30 minutes, I shot an eight point. Nice. A nice eight point, you know? Nice. Yeah. I know what piece you're talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a good piece of wood. I mean, and I never would even thought to go into that piece of woods. I shot my last buck in that piece of wood. Yeah. The, the first night, not the second mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was more of he missed out on opportunity there, so you made the adjustment, yeah. moved in closer on that mm-hmm. type of area, and you end up getting an opportunity with another great buck yeah. that just happened to be in that same area. Yeah, we ran into a guy, actually, who showed us some pictures, trail cam pictures. He had that 8-point and that 12-point oh, on wow. camera. Did he hunt that area? Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh. Was he mad? Uh, I didn't tell him I shot it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that, you know, it's a nice deer. I'm going to say anybody that shows you trail cam pictures not knowing those deer are dead, they're not going to get mad about you shooting them because they're willing I mean, to at show that you point, really, it's, there. yeah, they're yeah. willing to show you the deer are there. They can't really get mad if you end up harvesting the deer that right. they just yeah. showed you. Yeah, well, anyways. we have permission there, too. I mean, it's not like we're just going into a random piece of woods. Well, yeah, it just, you know how some people get when they start mm-hmm. to claim deer before they ever kill it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's my deer. It's my deer. You oh. killed one of my deer. Yeah, <laughs> we got the killing tree in that in that piece of timber and mm-hmm. it's it's a solid tree i mean it's yeah. right in a travel corridor next to a thicket and it's just a big straight pretty big around i mean it's probably what do you think 14 15 inches around big cherry tree it's super straight yeah you can get like 30 in feet up in it nice yeah it, oh, it's a solid tree i killed my last i'd like to see the buck that broke that deer off oh that half rack well i didn't uh, know he was a half rack when yeah. i shot him that was actually a running gun set for me mm-hmm I went in the night before, and I had my buddy Tyler with me, and we just went in. We were like, let's just scout it out. We'll bring our bows. We'll see what, what's up in this piece. We just got permission for it, and we went up in there, and I saw a giant dude. We got we were in there probably 20 minutes, and I saw it, and I was like, let's just back out. We're on the ground. We don't have any stands or anything. I don't want to bump it. So we just backed out. The next day, we went in. We both took climbers in, and I got in the killing tree. That was the first time I had ever been in those. In yeah. those with, I literally, I was just looking for a tree, and I found that tree. It was perfect. What's really funny about the killing tree is Austin told me about it. You know, I had never been in the piece of woods. And he was like, oh, you should go get up in that piece, you know, walk around, see maybe that other one will come out. And uh, so that's what I did. You know, I walked up in there, found what I thought was a good spot. Austin came out with me later this season, and I showed him. I said, oh, this is the tree I was in. He said that's the same tree I was in. That's the oh. same tree I was in. Man. It's the, if you walk through and you're using a climber, it's like you there's like a it. light shining yeah. down on it from yeah. the heavens. It's like, yeah. ah! like <laughs> it is the perfect climber tree. The only thing I don't like about cherries is the noise when you climb them. They're it's very not super bad. You know how sometimes it's real scratchy when you're going up. Yeah, this one's so freaking straight. You can just sneak right up it. I mean, it's just it's oh, perfect. That's awesome. It's not even not. Yeah, most of the one, most of the ones I climb are curved the whole way up, like most <laughs> yeah. cherries are. Yeah, it is just so straight. I mean, you could cut lumber out of it for like sixty or seventy feet, and it'd be perfect boards. Like, it just made me so sad because my favorite cherry tree, 
out at the farm I used to hunt. Mercer. It was cut down. No, it's not Mercer. It's on the... It's on the border of where New York and West Virginia touch. Right, right on the corner. It's right on New the York pan- and West Virginia. It's right on the panhandle somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right in there. Yeah. Give away my spots, man. I got to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had this perfect cherry tree. It was right in between two little pin oaks. And I climb up this cherry tree, which didn't have a limb on it at all. And I was engulfed in limbs. And those little pin oaks hold their leaves all year long. Yeah. So I was invisible. I've never had more deer walk directly underneath my tree than in that stand. Yep. And then probably two years ago, I go walking in and I'm looking all over. And I'm like, I know this is where that tree is. And then I turn around and there's a pile of cherry tree <laughs> sitting there cut up. And I went, no, you can't be <laughs> oh, serious. I was so yeah. sad. But you've got to stand in one of those pin oaks and then... Well, I end up putting a ladder stand in there. But the problem with that is it kind of sticks out where before I was in my climber, I could just scoot right up that tree. The nice part is now I don't have to walk across that giant field with a climber on my back. I just have my backpack. So there's benefits to it, I guess. But those pin oaks are in a sweet spot, though. I mean, it was... When did we go out this year? It was like November 6th or November 7th or 8th. Or yeah, I took you out there. And there yeah. were still plenty of leaves yep. on those trees. I mean, all the cover in the world. Yep. Yeah, that yeah it's solid. a good spot. Yeah. Well, let's piggyback on that because you started talking a little bit and describing some of the features of terrain mm-hmm. you like to hunt. What kind of terrain do you like to hunt? What is like your favorite type of terrain for archery season? Yeah, definitely overlooked small plots, you know. I don't know if this is factual or not, but I remember hearing somewhere the majority of trophy deer are taken in 40 acre or less spots. A lot of them being like in the teens. Makes sense. I would believe it. Yeah, because people, you know, they go to the game lands, they go to these huge wood lots, and they just spread out. And the deer move off. They move to that little, you know, two acre plot behind, you know, a housing development. Or um, I know there's a spot, I call it the junkyard. It's literally a tiny field that's maybe a hundred yards by a hundred yards. Yeah. There's junk all over. You know, there's old rusted out trucks. Oh yeah. Washing machines. It's garbage. And I've snuck through there countless times and snuck up on bedded deer. Actually, there's one truck. I guarantee you every year, late season, there's a buck bed down next to that truck. <laughs> I've jumped a buck out of there probably three or four times. You've told me that so many times, especially yeah. in late season when it's uh, muzzle loader. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, oh, man, Rob, I'm not sure where I'm going to go tonight. And you're like, dude, go walk <laughs> through the junkyard. <laughs> Kick the door on that old truck. Deer's going to jump up. Yeah. I mean, the, the game lands are right there, and people just they don't even think about it. They yep. look at the field, and they say, oh, it's garbage. They turn around and walk the other way. Yeah, it's not that beautiful, pretty cornfield that leads into a little draw with a creek bottom. Yeah, yep. yeah but yeah. that's why the deer are there. People just don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. Nobody would have looked at that twice and mm-hmm. just and hunted it. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. So I actually looked at a small piece like that today, a spot across some water from an area that we hunt, and it was a very small little piece. And we went out and spotted it last night. There was four deer in the field. Mm-hmm. Would have never thought to hunt this place in a million years. There's four deer out in the field. Went back this morning, put boots on the ground. Two deer came out in the field at 9 o'clock, walked right through the middle of it. Right through the middle of a bean field. Wow. But it's it's just this little tiny area. There's not really woods there. There's a small strip. Yep. And that's it. But they're in there. Those yeah. overlooked spots, man, they can be key, especially when you're you're 
kind of down on your luck. You're not really seeing anything. It's getting into the season. You go to some of those overlooked spots, especially when the rut's kicking in, you got does hanging out in there. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in a solid spot, man. I think it's better later in the season, like you said, because all the pressure's kicking up on these other spots. Push them into those spots, man. That's excellent. Just force them right in little spots. Yeah. So, Rob, you actually do some rifle hunting, too. You've had some good success rifle hunting. Some of the pictures on your Facebook and your Instagram, you got some nice bucks laying on the ground with orange on your back. (laughs) Yeah. Man, what do you do? Are you doing anything different when you're rifle hunting compared to archery? Is there a different terrain that you're hunting? Um, I still like to get out of, you know, out of the way of people if I can. But I definitely do a lot of walking. Yeah, um, you still hunt a lot, don't you? I do still hunt a lot during yeah. rifle season, and I'm a big believer in small, like little two or three man pushes. Okay, you know, you get in those. I don't want to say small spots because you need to be far enough away from houses and everything with a rifle. But if you can get a point where it narrows down, you know, you drop one person off there, you walk around and just still hunt through. I mean, there's one spot we call the Bowling Alley. Oh, that place is solid. Yeah, I don't know how many deer we've killed out of there. I shot one out of there this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely little, little pushes yeah, and a lot of walking. Yeah. Well, when you get too many people on the pushes and deer drives that you do, it, it just gets too confusing because you're trying to push these little spots, but you have five, six people. The next thing you know, deer busts out and you go to pick up your gun and there's two people standing between, or the deer's between you and those two people and you can't shoot. Nobody gets a shot at it half the time because yeah. you have too many guys. Yeah. And they're, they're booking it. When you got 10 guys doing a drive, you're making noise. The deer panicked. Right. They're on a dead sprint to get away. So when you push, you actually just have the two guys walk through slowly, not yeah. making any noise? You just kind of almost wind bump them. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, they I might, do that too. They might get up and kind of trot a little bit, but they're not, like, when you got 10 guys, like you said, and they're yelling and right. banging their hands together or whatever, and they're trying to get the deer to push out, they just kind of get up, and they just kind of get yeah. away. Just well, now, nice. you can get a good shot at them. There's one point where I would suggest doing the yelling and making noise, and that is, like, up our camp where we hunt, there are just massed areas of just giant, thick, nasty stuff where you can walk 10 feet from a deer, and if you're going quiet, they're going to watch you walk right past them. Mm -hmm. In that type of scenario, I almost think you have to be effective. You have to have enough people wanting to push them deer up, and you got to make noise, one, because of safety. Yep. Because you can't see the hunter in those woods. So what I like about it is if you're going through the wood and I'll just take two sticks and I'll just hit them together as I go through. I don't have to scream and, and yell. I'm just hitting a stick every once in a while together. So that, that guy that's posting up, he knows where I'm at at all times. But also you have a better chance of scaring a deer up or kicking a deer up, especially some of them mature bucks. I remember when I was young, we tried pushing this little spot out and it was not big, mm-hmm. but we did not have enough people. That buck just ran circles around them all day long. They yeah. do too, and sometimes they're sitting so tight you got to almost step on them to mm-hmm. get them to stand mm-hmm. up. And it's they honestly scare the heck out of you when they do it. They get up and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like a grouse almost just. It's almost like grouse them. or yeah. a pheasant or something. It startles mm-hmm. you a little bit. That's funny too. Yeah, I also really like hunting uh, beds. I get into the bedding areas during rifle season. Not a boy. Yeah, sneak in there, come in from the downwind, which is tough because that's the way they're looking. Right. But usually it's so thick that they can't see you from very far off. Yeah. Yeah. So. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, so going into rifle hunting, I have this question. If you approach, if you're approached by the everyday, once a year rifle hunter, the first day a rifle hunter kind of person, and they don't hunt archery, um, which we see a lot of those type of people here in Western PA. 
do you ever try to persuade them to get into archery hunting? Say it's one of your buddies. What do you what do you kind of say to them? How do you get them, or what do you say to them to try to get them into archery hunting? I always tell them once you go, you're you're going to be hooked. Yeah. You know, like we were saying earlier, you see a lot more deer. Mm-hmm. The ruts during archery, at least around here, um, there's a lot less people, and the weather's a lot nicer. I mean, I don't know what more you can ask for. Yeah. More deer, less people, nice right. weather. Well, I struggle with even telling people that. I still struggle with getting some guys out in the woods in archery season. I tell them it's the best hunting you can ever imagine, mm-hmm. but I can't get them to go out. I, I don't know if you've ever had anyone that you've had converted into a, a bow hunter or not, but I don't, I don't know if you have either, Austin, but I don't know how to get people to get in the woods and actually do it. Yeah. I have taken people rifle hunting and turned them off of hunting 100%. See that, that happened. I tried to take happen. my wife out one year. Mm-hmm. She was solid. I got her license. I mean, early on, got her doe tag, everything. She was ready to go. She didn't want to go archery season. She's too busy and whatnot. But we took her out, and we went out rifle hunting. And it happened to be the coldest day <laughs> of the year. And we got about 10 inches of snow that night. And I took her out there. and Man, it was just, it was bad. I ruined her doing that, and I you... feel bad about it. Probably should have just slept in that day. <laughs> I, honestly, you know, we were out there for first light, and we, we saw a couple of deer. We saw a good buck. We just couldn't get a shot off at it. And, you know, she just got super – I was cold. Yeah. I mean, everybody was cold. If you could have made it till noon that day, you were a champion because it was just – it was freezing. And, you know, now she's kind of like, I don't really want to go out anymore. Right. Well, you the know, other thing is – That was my fault. Yeah. And, you know, I tell people, they're like, oh, I'm not sure. I say, you know what? Bring a camera. Mm-hmm. Come bring your camera. Take some pictures. You know, yeah, you're yeah. not sure how you feel about it. Oh, yeah. If you're out there, you'll see some really cool stuff. Maybe get some cool pictures, some cool footage. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of my selling points, too. It's more about the nature that you get to see than just the deer itself. Mm-hmm. You get to see foxes. You might see an owl land two feet from you. I mean, I've seen foxes chasing squirrels. Yep. You know, you get close encounters with squirrels and chipmunks and all kinds of cool see things. Turkey out there. all the time. Yeah, turkey. You might get to fill your turkey tag in the fall, archery hunting too. You could. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. But that's what I try to do, uh, at least to sell people on archery hunting, because it really is I mean it's natural behavior of these deer and not only just the deer, but nature itself. And nobody can ever give me the feeling that I get when that first light comes up and those woods open up and mm-hmm. it, they just come alive. Home. Birds start chirping. The birds start chirping. Things start coming alive. If things start moving, you're starting to hear noises. You're you're, you're squinting to see if it's a deer coming <laughs> in or a, a chipmunk making noise <laughs> in the leaves. I mean, that's like my drug. Archery is kind of my drug. Yeah, definitely. I, I love it. A big uh, reason people don't want to get into it is this is a lot of work. You know, it's expensive to get into. There's a lot of costs associated with getting into archery. And if you want to be successful, you need to put the hours in practicing. Absolutely. You know, Pennsylvania just passed the um, crossbow law, which... A couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, a couple years. I guess it has been a few years now. Yeah, before that, you needed a doctor's excuse. If you had a blown out shoulder or something, you couldn't draw a bow, you could... Get a doctor's accuse and shoot a crossbow. Which, I mean, you, crossbow, need, to, you but, need to practice with a crossbow, but... Yeah, absolutely. You can't just get one and go out hunting. I yeah. mean, that, you got to really practice. It's with everything, less, you got to practice. It's a lot less than traditional. Yeah, exactly. I think I think where you're going with that is that you can take a rifle hunter and put a crossbow in their hand mm-hmm. and kind of make them 
start to enjoy bow hunting. Yeah. Kind of like an easier transition. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not hating on crossbow hunters. I mean, I personally decide to shoot a compound, but I mean, I'm not going to hate on you for shooting a re or not a recurve, a, uh, a crossbow. I mean, if you want to get out and just be out in the woods and enjoy archery season, I'm all for it. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you use as long as it's legal. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. except the arrows. If they start legalizing the arrows, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's getting to be a little bit too far. That's basically a rifle shooting yeah. an arrow. That's out of control. Mm-hmm. No, I think the problem we face more with crossbow hunters that give us a bad taste in our mouth sometimes is because they are the people that go out maybe once a year in rifle hunting they don't understand hunting quite a bit and it's not to their problem or not their fault because they don't have someone there to guide them or show them how to archery hunt they think they can take a crossbow out and they're gun hunting they can sit on a chair or a bucket and a deer's going to come within 60 80 yards like they do in rifle season because someone's pushing them through the woods and they're scared Mm -hmm. no the deer are moving naturally they're using their senses they're they're smelling they're looking they're hearing so it's it's different, but those kind of people eventually fizzle off anyways. But I think it would be actually a good idea. If you're trying to get a friend into archery hunting, start them out with a, a $150 crossbow. You know, put a cheap pair of uh, camouflage on them, you mm-hmm. know, keep a cheap set of camouflage on them. Just get them out enjoying nature because they're still going to see the squirrels, the birds, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And maybe they will see a deer. A deer will eventually come by you. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of young deer out there that don't care what they smell, hear, or see, they're going to be curious enough to check you out, and maybe they harvest one, and then they're hooked. Right. Oh, they're going to be stoked right. about it. I mean, you know, that's... next year that you get them into a compound. Yep. You know, and then they get even more hooked because they shoot with you all summer. Yeah, now they want to go traditional. I know I have a recurve. I don't bring it out as much as I'd like, but yeah. you just want to go more and more into it. Right. Even, you were talking earlier, maybe even going like a spear or atlatl would be awesome. Oh, dude, using an atlatl. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I would love to go back and start shooting recurve again and hunt with it, but I'm just, I know... I'm going to get really good at shooting 20 yards, and I'm going to see, like, a 160 come in at, like, 40. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be standing there broadside, and I'm going to be like, I can't do it. <laughs> can you bring both? You could bring both with you, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. I, I guess in it. theory. Yeah, I'm you done. could. You get a close shot, you use your recurve. I feel so weird carrying two bows. I'm already carrying enough out there. I'm carrying a stand on my back, sticks. I mean, I got my backpack with me, my bow. I mean, I already got enough. I don't need to carry two bows. <laughs> I agree. I'm not going to do it either. But, I mean, although I've, I've heard of people bringing in a muzzleloader. When muzzleloader comes in an archery, mm-hmm. bringing in a muzzleloader and a bow. That's so if for you have... bow only, though, for the muzzleloader. You can't shoot a buck with it. Is it? When it's early muzzleloader, it's doe only. And now, when if it you comes shoot in your archery. bow, you can shoot a buck because it's still archery season. But that early muzzleloader season where you can shoot an inline and not a flintlock. Right. It's it, doe only. Doe only. Doe only. Now, I'm sure there's some people out there that don't play by the rules. I don't. I would hope that they don't or hope that they do play by the rules, but it could happen. Yeah. So we want to talk about, let's go into archery hunting more. Let's talk about some of your tactics uh, for the rut. What do you do during the rut that makes you so successful? Do you find more success in the rut? Yeah. I, I'm a big uh, funnel guy. Okay. You know, I look at the pinch points. Pinch points. You know, is there a hole in a fence somewhere? Um, you know, is there two big ridges that come together in a nice draw? Because the deer have to go through there. They're funneled. If they want to get from this piece to that piece, they're forced to go through this tight corridor. So that naturally increases the amount of deer you're going to see. Right. And then plus you get the box cruising for does. If you can get a funnel between two doe bedding areas, I mean, you're golden. 
That's like a one in a million thing. Yeah, it's tough, especially yeah. if there's food there too. Oh man. I mean, do you have anywhere that you hunt that you maybe pass on does there uh, because it's a good buck rutting spot and you want the does to be there and that's yeah. how you kind of set it up? All all early archery season, I pass the does. You know, like you said, that's a big. You shoot this doe, and that's the doe that's going to be in heat when that ten points running around. Right? I don't know, man. I kind of disagree. I like to shoot a doe in early season <laughs> uh-huh. and get that rust off, man. Just get the jitters out and just get a doe on the ground yeah. first thing. I just get so excited up there. There's no way I'm going to pass on a deer. The first deer I see, I get super excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, this is what I've been waiting all these months for. I'm taking it. Oh, yeah. She's oh, going yeah. down. <laughs> She's going down. I would say if I do shoot a doe, it's usually not a patterned deer. Okay. Like if I know this doe comes out at this field every night at five o'clock, you know, she's gonna go into heat right. eventually. And I know she's right here all the time. So I'd rather shoot a you know, I don't want to say a stranger deer, but a deer that's not in like a prime spot. Yeah, but say that doe walks out in that field at five o'clock like it always does, yeah. and the next thing you know, here pumps out a, a random another doe behind you yeah. and walks right in your twenty yard lane. She mm-hmm. she may get it. You know what my oh, favorite doe to shoot is? A nanny. A nanny doe. She comes in and she spots you <laughs> and she starts stomping and blowing. You're toast. Yeah. Yeah, that is the hardest deer Because to kill. she's always going to come back and she's always going to look at your tree and she's going to bust you every time. Mm-hmm. That just, you blow at me and you stay there. That is your mistake. Yeah. <laughs> But they're hard. They do all those different tactics. They'll put their head down. You can see them looking at you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to eat. Oh, no, I'm not. Yep. (laughs) Hey, I'm licking my leg. Oh, you still there? (laughs) They do it all the time. They think they're so slick. But if you just sit there and you hide and you just stay completely still, eventually, as long as she can't smell you or really make you out, she's going to... She'll get comfortable again. She's going to get comfortable. You'll see the tail flick and and she'll put it down and put her head down and actually start feeding again. But that brings up an actually a pretty good a point or question that we had about what do you do as far as eye contact with a deer? So that big nanny staring you down, she's head bobbing you. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I I look away or at least, you know, not directly at her. I don't make eye contact. Yeah. Because I feel like you, you have that sixth sense of someone's looking at me. I feel like I'm being watched. <laughs> And then I also, this might be really stupid, but I also think not like a predator. Like I think, like, I'm not going to, you know, you're fine. I'm not here. Like, <laughs> I'm not keep, here. Keep you're doing, okay. Yeah, keep doing your thing. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. Um, I don't know that that really get, gives off an energy or not. <laughs> That's kind of cruel and sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I usually don't shoot the does, like I said. First. Okay, okay. So you're really yeah. not going to harm yeah, her I just don't point. want her to, to, to blow at me. Like, just please don't blow. Right. Because then I have to shoot you. Yeah, just leave me alone. Right. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Just just go on your way. <laughs> I'm not anything that you need to worry about. Right. Well, what helps about that is then the next time she comes through that area, you're in that tree. She may look up with you and go, oh, that's that's no harm. Right. That didn't kill me the first time I Don't walked through here. Yep. And she's going to walk right through again. She's mm-hmm. always going to look, though. She's going to look. Oh, for sure. She's going to learn about that, man. And especially if she wins you, oh, you might as well move trees at that point. See, you're just going to have to kill her at this point. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying, man. too much of a risk. Mm-hmm. I definitely try not to make eye contact, though. And then, you know, to piggyback on that, when you see that giant buck walk in, once I decide, all right, I'm going to shoot this year, I don't want to get the antlers anymore either. That is a great piece of advice. Yeah. Pick a spot. Yeah. Just look at where you're going to shoot, not 
Because yeah. then you're going to shoot them in the antlers or you're going to miss. Yeah. I can't tell you how many bucks I've missed because I've been, I just stared at their antlers. I try and look and see if they have like a little crinkle in their hair or something like that. I just try and look at that and really just put my pin on it. I mean, that's, or if they got maybe like, just look at that crease and just yeah. take it back from that crease just a little bit. Just try not to pay attention to those antlers because mm-hmm. I know I get super excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get to the point where I get the crazy legs. Oh. When I'm sitting there and yes. I haven't stood up yet, my legs just start going crazy and they're dancing and I can't stop them. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because th- this same scenario happened to me. The biggest buck I've ever seen came in and it, I was in this pine tree set up where you can't shoot behind you. You can only shoot in front of you. Of course, this deer pops out where no deer has ever popped out before. It's a cold, crisp, rut morning. This monster buck pops out behind me. I mean, 10 point just tines to the sky. Perfectly symmetrical, beautiful deer. And it was a horse. I mean, it it had to go over 200 on the hoof. It was an absolute monster. Biggest body deer I've ever seen in my life. And it comes out and it feeds at 15 yards behind me for a half an hour. Oh my goodness. How do you not look at a deer like that? And look at its antlers for half an hour. Yeah. It got to a point where my legs were shaking so bad I was standing up. I'm thinking to myself, I, you have to stop. You have to stop. The deer is going to see your legs shaking. It was that <laughs> yeah. bad. The whole tree starts shaking. The whole tree. <laughs> and it eventually did. It fed right down beside me at approximately five yards maybe at this point. And I still can't shoot it. I don't have a lane. And it walks right out, and there's one last limb, and it's going to be at 15 yards, dead broadside. Has no clue in the world that I'm there. It just fed for a half an hour. What's it do? It turns directly away from me, walks out into this open field. I draw back. It finally turns, starts going across the field, and I put it right in the center of the chest, thinking 25 yards, not even realizing how far it walked or anything because it's an open field shoot and i just watch that arrow go right under its chest and that monster i mean the bot i don't even know when it turned and walked away from me it looked like a horse walking away just that super wide base to it it walked directly away from me turned i missed it and it bounded off it stood there at 50 yards looked back at me and just stared at me the most beautiful deer i've ever seen in my life that's heartbreaking it was heartbreaking (laughs) that is truly heartbreaking man uh We've yeah. all had those moments where you miss or mess up, did something stupid. Oh, and like, yeah. Why did I not range that? Or why right. did I do this? Right. That's I had all the time too. in the world. Mm-hmm. Dude, in a field, though, you're, I mean, that really messes you up. Trying to just judge on the fly and not hitting with your range oh, finder. I think on top of that was how big the deer's body was. Yeah. It made it look closer than what it was yeah. because that makes it sense. was yeah. so large. The chest was so large on this thing. But yeah, if I would have thought about it, and this was a long time ago, I was young when this happened. And I, I probably had a rangefinder on me, a big clunky one, but I never kept it on me. It was always in my backpack. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm thinking I had all the time in the world going back on that playing Monday quarterback. I should have had a rangefinder in my hand when that deer walked away from me, you know, pulled it out real quick and kept hitting it because he's going across a wide open field. My, my lane at that point is 40, 50 yards long. Oh, yeah, you're wide open. I had all the time in the world to, to, to take my time, range this deer, and settle down a little bit, which would have never happened. <laughs> There's no way I was settling down. This yeah. was an absolute freak. Probably about three or four years ago, I kind of got in the habit of every time I see a deer, I mean, as, as much as I can, right before I'm about to pull my bow up, I'm always just 100% just range, range, range. I yeah. really want to. Now, it takes away from your woodsmanship a little bit. I mean, I, I do try and 
sit in the tree and play a game with myself sometimes. I'll look at a tree. I'll be like, uh, 27 yard. Oh, 29. You know, yeah. but I just, you got to try and get in the habit. You just got to range. I mean. Yeah, I remember before range finders, like my brother mentioned, we used to put out those sticks I in the ground. I did the same thing. Hey, and ribbon. What I used to do is I would actually look down at the base of my tree and try to count out every five yards. Because at that point I was playing football, so I knew approximately how far like five yards was. I could was step good. it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was good. So I would try to just go 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. And most of the times I was pretty spot on doing yeah. it that way. And now I'm spoiled. I just hit my range finder 30 yards. 20 yeah. yards. Yeah. yeah. It's so much easier now with a range finder. It changes the game, and they're so small, you can just keep them right on, on your body, yeah. pull them up, and hit a tree at any time. I almost won't even go out without my range finder at this point, you know? I, I would freak if I, out you know, if I don't have it. But I, I'm always like, oh, no, like, I got to go back to the truck to get it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's that important. And I also range trees and logs and, like, that right. clump of dirt is 30 yards. That down log is 40 yards. Yep. Yeah, I'll draw circles or half circles around me yeah. in my brain. Yeah. I'll, I'll like those, that circle there from that tree to that tree to the log is 30 yards. And then, mm-hmm. you know, do another one at 40 yards and 20 yards. You know, it would be a legit pins. idea. You get one of those quarterback sleeves for the play chart. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you just take a picture and you write on it with Sharpie like 37 yards to that tree. You just you have your bow drawn out and you just peek at it. Yep, 37. Think. That's not the worst idea I've ever it heard. It really is. I'm thinking, idea. dude. I'm All right, I'm going to have to edit this out because I need to make that in camo. Camouflage and sell the and hell sell out of it. And sell the hell out yeah, of it. Seriously. I love it. Honestly, it's a great idea. If you could digitize it somehow... And link it Bluetooth to your rangefinder. This is just getting out of control. This is but getting out of control. <laughs> that is an awesome idea. Now you have visual on your arm. 360 That's, camera. Yeah. Right around you. And you just you can just look at it and click on it. It tells you how much how range how far it is the range. <laughs> it just That's getting really far fetched, but I really like the idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, someone's going like, to steal it and come up with it in five years, and we're never going to make a dime off yeah. it. So I know. Somebody's going to steal this. I have to edit it out. Copyright that. Edit every bit of this. Edit every bit of it. <laughs> well. So we're here today with Rob. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> start this all over. Well, Rob, I have a random question for you. Okay. This is one that we haven't asked yet, and I actually think Charles came up with it. What kind of camouflage do you wear? Oh, I definitely am a real tree guy. This is a real tree family yeah, here. Or real tree family. Real tree AP. For, oh, absolutely. Yep. I wore Advantage back in the day. Real tree Advantage. I actually have some of the uh, original tree bark. Oh, OG. Yeah. Wow. But uh, shout out to Bill Jordan for coming out with that stuff. Right. Bill Jordan's a man. Yeah. I've uh, been I've been leaning more towards the gray camo though. Well, I think that isn't their newer stuff kind of more towards the grayer look. You have Predator camo. Yeah. They're kind of. Um, they're kind of more. You remember um, the Vertigo that came yeah. out? It has the white and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, it like kind of like thing. just like sticks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Predator camo, they have a couple of different patterns of it in different colors, but they came out. It's really, it's almost like if you're up in the tree, you're, it's just it's just branches, and you have it, so you're kind of breaking up with the skyline. Really, I mean, it's pretty cool. I think it also depends on the time of year. You know, yeah, if you're hunting out of a pine tree or an oak tree or off the ground, your camo is going to be different. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm hunting off the ground, I would probably prefer a mossy oak pattern. Because as much as I hate mossy oak, it's it just looks like you're sitting on the ground in a giant pile of leaves. And it's so dark and everything kind of runs together. 
it actually works really nice for like turkey hunting. Yep. I think it would be great. I don't wear it because I'm a real tree guy, right. but <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to hate on any kind of brand or anything like that. I mean, get what you can afford, get oh, what, get what you like. But I agree. I think if I'm on the ground, honestly, rocking the ghillie suit. All I knew day, you were going to say that. I do. I love it. I do like your ghillie suit. I'm looking at it right now. I love that thing. It's awesome. I got my left arm trimmed down. And a little bit of my chest trimmed down, and I can just don't have to worry about my bowstring hitting it. And it's just deer have literally looked at me, and they yeah. just look away. You just disappear. Yeah, they can't I love see your silhouette anymore. No. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've done good on the ground just with my little leafy jacket and pants that I have. It's just a light jacket and pants with some leafy stuff on it. Yep. I've never hit my bowstring on it before, but I've literally been invisible. I did a ground stalk on a nice ten point one time. And I think it was still in velvet. It was like the very early in the season, but this deer was still in velvet. It was well. We start off in September. I mean, it's very yeah. possible. But I mean, it was gorgeous, gorgeous buck. And I remember it. I actually screwed up because I saw it. I saw it before it saw me. It was feeding out on this oak ridge. I was walking up this mountain to get to the top, and I look out and I see it feeding. I'm like, oh, that's a really nice buck. So I I crept out into the field edge, and the field edge is all real thick, a brush, and I just walked. I crept down and I crawled in parts, got all the way to the corner where I knew it was feeding to. And I sat there for about half an hour and I kept thinking that deer probably saw me, probably jumped, got past me somehow. And I said, I got to get in the tree. It's getting too late. Got up, started walking back. I hit the spot where it was still feeding and it's 20 yards. And there it is. It looks right at me as I look at it. And I'm in this, I'm in this like caveman pose walking and i stop <laughs> i freeze mid caveman pose and i'm just sitting there and i have my leafy wear on but i don't have my hood up so it can see my face oh yeah and it's staring at me and i'm staring at it and eventually i just shrunk to the ground put the leafy coat on and that deer never knew i was there eventually it knew something was up and it kind of just worked off but if I would have sat there another half an hour, I would have had it with the leafy wear. It never saw me. Even with the leafy wear on it, it could just see my face. There was no way it could see my body. Yeah. And I could have just crept right up on that thing and probably walked right up to it and shot it. I'll tell you what, that leafy wear, man, that stuff is legit for turkey season. Yeah. It turkey really season, is. I mean, it's, it's really starting. Nice. You got green up coming up. I mean, that's just. Whew, well, we mentioned like those it. pin oaks earlier. I get up in those pin, near those pin oaks and I put that leafy wear on. Yep. There's no way they're going to see me. You just disappear. There's just no way in it. Yeah, you just disappear. I like it. Rob, I got one last question for you, and then we're going to have you uh, tell your favorite deer story. Oh. But, Charles, I actually don't know if you have any more questions or not either. But Go ahead. If you, <clears throat> say you took out a new hunter. Okay. What would be your number one tip for a new hunter or just someone that you're trying to get into it. They don't have to be new. Maybe they're just not very experienced. Be still. Be still. And move slow. Okay. I know I brought a couple people out and, you know, they're just, they're whipping their head around, looking all around. Fidgety. Yeah. Just, just calm down, slowly move to the left, move to the right, move your eyes more than anything. If you do see a deer, don't scream, there's a deer over there. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice. That is really good advice. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) You get so excited, you know. You'd think that would be common sense. 
but I've actually seen that happen. Yeah, it, it, it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what helps me stay still? My stand taking a good nap. <laughs> yeah, but then you snore. I, that's the only thing. I guarantee I'm snoring, and that's, dude. That's gotta scare I'm deer away. Calling in bears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely a snorer, so mm-hmm. I, I guarantee I'm doing that up there. Yeah, but there's dude. nothing better than a good nap in a in a safe stand like my climber, where I'm closed in. I'm always wearing my safety harness. You know, I sleep so good. I sleep sometimes better in the, the stand than I do at my bed. Right. <laughs> for sure. Especially if you got up super early. Yeah. And you accidentally fall asleep at like 7.30 and you miss <laughs> the best part of the day. <laughs> Usually mine's the afternoon. Yeah. I don't get a nap. I go back out and I'm in that afternoon stand and I'm just zonking in and out, mm-hmm. in and out. I don't feel bad sleeping when there's snow on the ground. Because then yeah. I can look and say, are there tracks anywhere? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think I heard one person, it might have been Todd Mead, I heard it on a different podcast. He was out with his dad and his brother, and his dad put it, I think it was his brother, I don't think it was him, put him in like a down, like like a deadfall, uh-huh. and he fell asleep, and his dad came and got him at the end of the day, and I was like, oh, did you see anything? Kind of like woke him up, and he was like, no, I didn't see anything, and there was deer tracks all around him in the snow. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Whoopsie. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> My brother has fallen asleep before, and this was back before cell phones and stuff. And he slept all the way into dark, and work. that was back when we would all wait at the truck till everyone got there. And we were kind of worried, you know, what if he fell out of the tree or something happened to him? We go all the way back to his spot, and he's still sleeping up in the stand. <laughs> it's like, you got to be kidding me. It happens, though, man. I know I've literally been hunting, and I've been so into it. And the next thing you know, I wake up. <laughs> I just, yeah, it happens sometimes. I usually I mean, still wait. I, maybe I just have that hunter sense where I still wake up and I got like an hour left and it's the best hour of the day. You mm-hmm. ever wake up and there's a deer standing there looking at you? No, I was going to ask you that. Yep. I've never done it. I've, I've had a doe standing there. Probably because we're snoring. Staring at me. <laughs> Probably. Probably because I'm snoring. It's like, what is that? <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, at least for opening day for me, I'm so excited. It's like Christmas Eve as a little kid. Oh, yeah. You don't get any sleep. You get like two hours of sleep. None. You wake up at four o'clock in the morning, get out there. It doesn't help if you kill a deer in the morning because then you got to drag it out. Yeah. You know, you're even more worn out than you were before. And then you get out in the afternoon with that. You don't get that nap. Everyone else does. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you get out there and you just, your, your eyes get so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like goodness. when we went bear hunting last year. Oh, yeah, that was I, solid. I got about two hours of sleep. We drove two hours up to the mountains. We walked around. I don't know. We were probably four miles back off we were We were really far back. And I actually saw a great buck back there, man. That was a nice Big 10-point. The one you sent me the video of. Yeah. That was great a big 10-point. You know, it's a week after, like, archery season. Mm-hmm. And I see this huge buck, man. <laughs> probably, that was at least a 140-inch buck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the minimum. Problem, the reason that is because our archery season ends so soon. I know. We miss the best part of the rut. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. How do you guys feel about the gap? We got the two week gap between archery and rifle. I think it's good I, to let the deer. I hate it. Get a little bit less pressure. You know, people mm-hmm. are still going out in the woods and bear hunting and whatnot. But at the same time, man, I wish they just give us one more week. That's not a whole lot to ask yeah. for. Either give us one more week. Or give us Sundays. Well, I really like Sundays, what they did with yeah. bear hunting last year. 
when they put it in with archery season. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. They put yeah. archery bear in with in in with archery season. I think that's awesome because that was a good move. There are so many times in archery season where I see a bear and I'm like, well, you're safe because after archery season, all of our scents all through the woods, the bears are nowhere to be found. Oh yeah. But then, what I don't like about it was before was right before rifle season, there'll be all those bear hunters in the woods tromping through everything because you just all you do is walk miles and miles when you bear hunt Mm -hmm. and they're kicking every and any deer up and we go hunt up the mountains for first day of rifle and you gotta really search to find deer yeah look at those overlooked areas man like rob was talking about earlier i think you just gotta hunt the thickest nastiest stuff up there because there's just so much of the same terrain and it just goes forever big mature forest Mm -hmm. you got to get in the thick we've had very good success rifle season in thick, nasty areas, hunting right on the edge of them, just waiting for people to kind of push them out. Yeah, you're almost getting a pop shot on those. I mean, yeah, especially when it's real thick like that. You're only you might only be shooting fifty yards or something. It's like tough that. if you're setting most. in. Yeah, if you're yeah. setting in it, or if you get a nice little piece of timber between two real thick areas mm-hmm. where you can shoot a little bit. Just be ready because they're going to be hauling ass through those, oh, those yeah. open areas. They I know I've sat on a pipeline up there. Actually, really close to your camp on the game lands. Stay out. <laughs> I know, you probably know exactly where I'm talking about. If you can shoot 600 yards, oh up yeah, there if you, you can. To. You can see miles. Good luck because they're they're flying across that that yeah. opening. But but first light, you might see one creep out on it. Yeah. And there you go. There's your opportunity Absolutely. for today. You only need one. Well, let's let's talk about that. Actually, I did want to ask what what are your goals for 2017? Rob? Good question. Good yeah. question. Um. I'd really like to shoot a good trophy buck this year. And trophy is, you know, a different word for everybody. I was going to ask, what is your definition yeah, of trophy? Um, there's an old 10-point that I was hunting up in the cemetery. You talking about that chocolatey guy? Chocolatey, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's your a, deer. Dude, is a great buck. Yeah, he's not real. I mean, it's to his ears. He's... He's maybe 120, 100, maybe even. You know what, though? That deer, I saw a picture of that on camera. It's mm-hmm. probably, he might have been a three-year-old. Yeah. He wasn't super old, but he just had crazy chocolate rack. And he mm-hmm. was he was, he was just pretty. He was a really pretty deer. Yeah. One that you're just like, man, I'd shoot that all yeah. day. Well, that's your kind of style deer, like we talked about earlier. Chocolate, thick antlers, mm-hmm. you know, pretty typical deer. So, I mean, the score at that point is irrelevant. It's irrelevant not, anyway. I you're mean, not looking at a number. You're looking at what that deer looks like, and yeah. that's the kind of deer that you want to harvest. Cause Shoot what gets your heart going, man. If you yeah. see a deer and you're just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> just, you know, just shoot it. I mean. It, right. But let's go against everything I just said and put a number to your trophy buck. What do you think, score-wise, uh, if you can? Well, my biggest deer to date is 140. Okay. Um, if I could get another 140-inch deer, I'd be ecstatic. I disagree. What do you think? You think that the second eight points bigger? I, I think you need to score it. I've seen I really some pictures. I think you need to yeah. score it. You're, his, you're pushing. His, the eight that he's talking about, it is a solid, heavy eight. It hits 140. What's that one with the day? giant brow tines you killed? That uh, buck was. That's that's what I'm talking. That's that about. big eight. Oh. He's almost perfectly symmetrical. He's, he's beautiful. He's almost yeah. perfect. And you know what? I think that one ten that you shot. That one we shot together. That you were with me. Yeah, I think. Yeah. No. Cross the ravine. I shot him. Spined him on the other side. That was great. Yeah, that was a good buck too. No, maybe it's not ten. Maybe it is an eight. 
That one, the one buck no. on the right side of your living room. I know what you're talking about. about. I have mounted. I think that it is, I think it beats that eight. That is a eight. nice 10. It will yeah. beat, it'll beat the eight only because it's a 10. It's an eight. That one's an eight. Was it? Yeah, that one's an eight. I saw a picture of you with a 10 that you were holding. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely gorgeous. the one gorgeous. that's with me? That was 100% a 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was that one or not. I don't know, but that one, I've told Man. you that a few times. You really yeah. need to score that. We should put a tape I'm on it. Yeah. I, I put think we should just for the, for the hell of it because I want to try to start measuring deer just for the fun of it. I'll go back and listen to the podcast where Kirk Geyer, shout out to the working class bow hunter, talks all about scoring deer. And we'll just we'll print off one of the Pope and Young sheets yeah. yep. and we'll get a tape and we'll get a flexible wire. I've listened to that podcast several times. I've taken notes and I'm ready to go. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. So when my deer comes back, I'm measuring it. Yep. Yep. So I'm excited. I really think that buck beats your other buck. He might, he's a little taller. He's not as wide. So since he's taller, you might get a couple extra. He's going to time length. He doesn't carry the mass the whole way through like that eight does. But that eight's brow tines are impressive. They're really impressive. They're as long as the G twos. Yeah. Oh, easy, easily. Yeah. That will help you a lot. But what was the spread on that deer? Do you know? Uh, I believe it was twenty two. Oh. That's outside. That's yeah. outside. Well, okay. okay. You know what's crazy about that? It's deer. probably twenty inside. Still. Yeah. What's crazy about that deer is I actually saw him preseason. Yeah, tell the story about this. Let's, let's tell this is yeah. your story, and then you can tell your favorite story. Okay. I was uh, where I used to live in my old house. There's an apple orchard up the street. Okay. And where you found some giant sheds a couple of years sheds. ago. Like yeah. I think that was like a 16-point. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. And there were a couple hell. points broken They're off. gnarly, dude. Yeah. So just like gnarly. stickers and kickers. and Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think he had a drop time because there's a... a Piece on the bottom of the beam that's broken. Okay. I, I think it got know. chewed off. Yeah. Mm. But um, anyways, I was up there with uh, camera preseason, you know, just scouting, seeing what came in. And a couple does and some fawns came in. They were playing tag, running around. It was really cool to watch. And then um, started getting dark. Couldn't really run the camera anymore. And a small eight point came in. I was like, oh, awesome, a buck, you know. And then across the other side, it's maybe 65 yards. And I see this monster buck just emerge out of the woods. I'm like, holy smokes, that thing is dynamite. <laughs> and then right behind it, another one came out. Wow. And it was that eight point that I killed and a buck that I called the twin. It looked exactly the same, but it was a 10 point. <laughs> um, and I couldn't get him on film or anything because it was too dark. Okay. I watched him eat apples and mill around, and then I... I actually crawled out the backside so I didn't spook him. And uh, then our tree season came. I'm sitting in one of my favorite little funnel stands mm-hmm. down the rut. And uh, I had a Tink 69 drag. And I hung uh, the scent like 20 yards from me in a shoot point. Little doe pops out across the field and he's on her tail. He's chasing her. She wasn't in heat. You know, she was too young, I think. But he was pushing does. Yeah. And he actually hit my scent trail, left the doe, walked straight up to that Tink 69, put his nose in it, and was just smelling it. So he's standing there broadside 20 yards away. I draw back, and uh, my peep sight broke. Oh, he was using. He wasn't using an in-string peep. He was yeah. using one of the rubber two. The, the, the rubber two. Yeah. yeah. And it oh. snapped. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, my heart just broke. My peep sight's sitting sideways. I can't see it. No, 140-inch bucks standing in front of me. I drew down. I tried, like, messing with it a little bit. What can you do? I've done that before. Yeah, no. So I drew back, and it was still out of alignment, and I just, you know, I looked down the side of the string, and I just said, please, God, let me kill this deer. And uh, I kind of just shot instinctive, and I hit him a little back. I ended up giving him the liver shot. 
let them lay overnight, and we found them. That's not the worst thing that can happen, a liver yeah. shot. If you let them sit, they're going to yeah. die. Yeah, he went about 300 yards, and we yeah. found him first thing the next morning. And uh, I, I I brought a tear to my eye. It was pretty awesome. Oh, dude, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Shooting a, a deer like that is just an unbelievable feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw the 10-point. He ran under my tree stand that year, too. He was chasing a doe. They were down below me for probably 45 minutes, running a doe, running a doe. She came blowing up underneath me 10 yards. He was right behind her. Matt, Matt, hey, hey. And I'm screaming at this deer. He couldn't care less. I yeah. could have been naked doing jumping jacks. He, he didn't know I was there. He wouldn't have thought twice about it. <laughs> Listening to that story, and I'm just flashing back to so many failures of my own mm-hmm. where equipment failed me or something happened. I mean, I had a buck just like you're saying, chasing a doe hot. And he's running her down this valley right into my lane. And I'm, I'm meeping loud, meep, meep, getting louder and louder. He finally steps in, like, right at the end of my lane. He stops. And I also had some scent up in the tree. Mm-hmm. And he stops perfect 15 yards broadside. I draw back fast because I had to hurry up and, and get on it. As soon as I draw back, I used to have those drop away rest, but it didn't have the cage around it. It was just the two prongs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It shot up so quick, it knocked my arrow off the rest. Oh, no. Yeah. See, I was so, blocking mine up. And I'm, I I can't reach my arrow. To, that one didn't lock. It was an old, old oh, model. As it soon didn't as you lock. drew, it pulled as it up. As soon as you drew, it pulled it up. That makes sense. And I, I'm trying to fix my arrow. I had to let down. That deer ended up working through my lane. Man. And I never got an opportunity on it. And it was just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I hate when stuff like that happened. So what I do, I went out and bought a new rest with the, the guard around it so that could never happen again. Because I'm not going to let something like that happen yeah. ever again. Yeah, it does happen too, you know. I it's, shoot a cage around my rest too. Yep. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, are you kidding me? The one time this worked, I'm in, the, in, in one of my favorite spots that I stole from Russ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of his best spots. And... The buck of a lifetime comes through when I had not harvested a buck at all that, at that point, and something like that happens. It just drives you nuts. Now, luckily with you, um, because I've had the peep do that too, I've had an in-string peep where on my old bow, I had to turn it every single time before I shot. Yeah. I would have to turn it a half turn. Well, I'm getting ready to climb a tree. Here comes a doe walking right to me. This was the world's dumbest deer. <laughs> this deer walks right at me, and I'm on the ground still. I barely got anything. I got to think I got like a t-shirt on, no face paint, nothing. It's just walking right at me. It's curious what I'm doing. I'm setting my climber up on a tree. It walks right in at 10 yards. I draw back while it's staring at me. And my peep side, I never adjusted it. So it's all black. So I tried doing what you did, kind of peek to the side. And and I'm trying to remember, you know, if I peek a little left, am I going to hit this one? That really throws you off, too. I mean, that's not centered. Yeah, see, that happens. And then she came back again. And I I missed again. Oh, no. No, Double trouble. The second one was on me. It was all worked up at that point. Double trouble. Yeah. It cost me. But, you know, little things like that happen. Yeah. And you got to learn from it. But I think some of the failures I have, they contribute to my uh, sick addiction of hunting because it just makes me want to succeed that much more. You have to learn from your mistakes. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you're doing it all wrong. And and the people that have a failure in a piece of equipment, I would just suggest make sure that never happens again. I replace my my rest because I'm not going to let that happen again. That was an easy fix. Yeah. Sometimes it's not that easy, but 
If you your know. little rubber tube for your peep sight is dry rotting, mm-hmm. go replace it or get an in. Those things were terrible. I would not suggest using the tube. You don't want to have to rely on that tube to pull your string straight. They're so loud. They are loud. Yeah, they are loud. Yeah, I, mean, I used to have a quiet bow, and you shoot that thing, and it just smack, smack, yeah, smack certainly. every time. But back then, it was that's an easy way to start as a beginner hunter. Mm-hmm. It really is. So that was the technology back then. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. it was. Really 100%. was. Well, guys, we're getting close to time here. I didn't know, Rob. Was there anything else that you want to talk about, or maybe another story you want to tell real quick? Or, um, uh, do you have a favorite hunting story? I you think, have a favorite one. I think that one I just told is probably my, one of my favorite. That's that dude. That's a great story. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. blame you if that's your favorite story. I yeah. mean, you got done on a great deer. You had a problem that you had to work through. Yeah. I mean, that's right. That's like every hunter's worst nightmare. Yeah. Let's post up a couple pictures of some of yeah. Rob's deer on Facebook and Instagram. You guys can check it out and see the, the deer that we're talking about in the story and some other deer because you've killed some really nice bucks, man. You get it done year in and year out. Yeah, Rob, that's I'm the happy. reason we have you on. Here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on the podcast and talk to you for our third episode because you, you share a wealth of knowledge, probably even more than what we covered here tonight, but you have great conversation and great stories, and I know just from seeing you anywhere you know whatever event that we run into you we always have great deer talk so it was fun having you on Thanks for sure it was fun. yeah man was we really, really appreciate it you just you get it done year after year i mean i couldn't think of a better guest to have on i mean yeah. you're my brother-in-law it's good <laughs> yeah, he's always saying this because he has to i don't have to <laughs> right, say this yeah, stuff I mean, well actually i do it. because if not i'm gonna get choked out <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he's huge man i'm telling you we'll post pictures of him maybe we'll this put a bodybuilding picture on there you know what's funny is that that buck that you're talking about with the big you're pretty young then right oh I you're was, tiny uh, i was 2008 i was a freshman in college i was like 170 you're not a monster at that point no i look totally different then yeah I, I probably makes would've... that deer look even you know what though if it was now that deer looked like a baby that's true <laughs> <laughs> i'll see if i can pull out like an actual picture like from back then with me holding it maybe with my dad in it or something yeah, yeah that'd super be good cool. yeah. that'd be super cool. yeah whatever you got send it over right. and we'll get it posted because i think that's that'd be pretty cool to share with everyone yeah. yeah for sure well charles you got any final thoughts going on here no man i had fun another good episode you know we had more conversation through this one i hope everyone's kind of sticking with us and and keeping faith with us i'm, I'm super excited about williams archery coming on board and working with us as well i think we have great things that have come out of that Um, we have really good plans and they've had a lot of good input on their side as well so they're excited about it and we're really excited about it too i couldn't agree more man absolutely well if anybody out there has any uh negative feedback you can always send it to our email the whitetail distraction at (laughs) whitetail distraction podcast i'm sorry at gmail.com you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram. You can send us a personal message, throw a DM in there yeah. in our inner box. At the White Tail Distraction Podcast. The White Distraction Podcast, correct. You can find us on iTunes and Podbean, soon to be Stitcher, and also soon to be a website. Yeah, so if you're liking us on Facebook or Instagram and you're not familiar with podcasts and you'd like to listen to us, uh, easier than clicking on our link. Just send us a message and we'll help you uh, download it directly to your phone. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. We'll help anybody out there that 
Hey, I think if you have any questions or concerns or you would like to hear about a certain topic, you or can also if, send us an email yeah. or a message on one of those social media platforms. Or if you just have someone that you think would be great to come on and talk deer hunting with us. Or even if you want to come on and talk to yeah. us about deer hunting. I think that'd be great. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, a special thanks to our our podcast sponsor, Williams Archery. We really appreciate them. And uh, go ahead and... Go out there and get your bow tuned. Season's coming up pretty quick. You need to start shooting. You need to really practice. I mean, practice makes perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.